0: This is the official tapes, the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for those official releases. So releases that come out of the Grateful Dead or the Jerry Garcia vault, we put them on the radio airwaves. Every so often we do catch up with uh, somebody to talk about these releases. For instance,
1: we've got a new one out of the uh, Jerry Garcia State.
0: Hey, I'm Dean Budnick. I'm the editor-in-chief of Relics, and I just wrote the liner notes for Garcia Live, Volume 16. You know, 1991 is when Jerry Garcia Band was starting to move into those larger venues out here on the East Coast. They're just starting to play some of the arenas. And this is their first go-around at at MSG. I remember that uh, to Mark that particular equation at the time, that the Jacqueline and Gloria were wearing very shiny dresses and seemed really, really up for the night. And beyond that, you know, in 91, uh, Jerry started interjecting some new tunes into the mix. So it was cool to get to hear some of those on that night. All of them obviously are, uh, are on the new release. Madison Square Garden, November 15th, 1991. By the time you get to the fall of 91, while there are still some unquestionably some great Grateful Dead shows, you know, look at MSG, actually when the dead were there, look at Boston Garden when the dead were there. The Grateful Dead at this time was becoming a little bit difficult for Jerry to find his way. I mean, so... Brent passes in, you know, the summer of 90. They come back with Vince and Bruce Hornsby. And it's really Bruce that energizes the Grateful Dead for a while. And then increasingly, Bruce starts to step back his involvement with the band. He thinks that Vince is coming into his own. Bruce has other conflicts. I think at some point, Bruce has said some of those initial creative heights that happened when he first joined the group had sort of fallen by the wayside. Really, by all accounts, it sounds like Jerry was most excited about what he was doing with Jerry Garcia Band. You're listening to Jerry Garcia Band and you're sort of stepping back through time with Jerry. What's the music that he really loved that inspired him while he was growing up? And that's sort of what you hear. So if you're a Jerry enthusiast, That's what you get. Plus, you know, he solos on every song, which is pretty satisfying. Again, if you're a Jerry head, you certainly are getting a fair share of Jerry. The other thing is, listen, the pacing of the songs often are a little bit slower, right? There's no question. There's not, uh, you don't get to see sort of any of the pig pen or later Bob Weir rave up tunes. I don't know if it's calmer, but it's a more even keeled experience, but collectively as it washes over you, I think it's altogether satisfying. So, but I can understand, you know, if people wanna hear like those good old Grateful Dead rave ups, it's certainly not as psychedelic. You're not getting that at a Jerry show, but I think you're getting a lot that, for my money, it, it is altogether appealing. The Grateful Dead always acknowledged that New York was something special. There was a particular energy. There's no question that there's a lot of energy there. And that has infused the band going all the way back to when they'd come out and play for Bill Graham at the Fillmore East. You hear them talking about it.
1: By the time, when Bill opened the Fillmore East, then our our fortunes took a turn for the better. You know, then we started riding in limos and, and, um, you know, we had a different, I mean, we, we were starting to do well. Not our records or anything, yeah, but, but our shows were doing well. And in New York, I mean, once you make a splash in New York, once you've got a, a New York audience there, it's like you own the town, you know, I mean, we, you know, we didn't have, a, in New York we could do anything.
0: And I'll tell you this, you know, maybe I'm, I don't want to say that I'm biased, but I'm an East Coast deadhead. And I saw shows on the East Coast and I saw shows on the West Coast, and there really was a difference in energy coming from the crowd. And I think some of that, maybe it's sort of like uh, an East Coast way of life, people are a little more intense. Some of it is, you know, it was really easy. For instance, when it comes to the Jerry Garcia band, you could see Jerry pretty regularly down at the Warfield around this time. A lot harder to see him on the solo side back East. So when he came through, It was something really, really special. And the fact that Jerry was coming around and really moving up into these larger venues, I think does say something about sort of the rabid nature of the band's followers. The fact that people were clearly hankering for a little bit more, even though they just come through about two months earlier and played all those shows at MSG. And frankly played, you know, six shows at Boston Garden as well, which isn't that far away either. The other thing relative to Grateful Dead in general is a lot of the times, most of the shows, they ended up playing on the East Coast, were in arenas. Obviously early on, they did some theater stuff, but by the time you get to the, you know, mid 80s on through the 90s, they're playing in arenas. So they're playing in a more intense environment versus then if you were out there in amphitheater where the the sound just sort of drifts away. When you're playing in, in in a closed room like they often were, Really, there, there is an intensity to the entire experience. I really think that played into it. The arenas aren't always made for music. For the most part, they're made for sporting events, right? But, uh, so, but you take what you can get. And Madison Square Garden actually sounds pretty great for a music venue. Boston Garden, where they also were during the fall of 91, the Grateful Dead, didn't quite sound as good in particular because Boston Garden, for instance, was made for boxing and so you had great views of the center floor of the venue, but there were overhangs. So you could be underneath one of the overhangs where you have you know, seats sort of coming down, rows coming down in front of you, and some of the sound could be muffled.
1: First guest for more than 17 years. The Grateful Dead have been making rock and roll history with very few personnel changes and uh, ecstatic fans known as deadheads. They are truly a cultural phenomenon. But the Grateful Dead are more than just a band. They are a community of about 100 people whose energies go into their albums, concerts, and films. Would you please welcome two members of the Grateful Dead,
0: Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir? I think the members of the Grateful Dead acknowledge that uh, New York was a particular, unique uh, media environment as well. On those rare occasions when you get Jerry to appear on like Letterman. It was always, it was always something else. It was always really, really cool and not something you necessarily would get anywhere else in the United States. So I do think that, you know, even though the dead were pretty chill all in all, I think you it's really challenging not to get sort of swept up in Manhattan and all that it all that it offers.
2: Thank you for calling the official Grateful Dead West Coast Hotline number. Grateful Dead will play the following places. September 8th, 9th, 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. Madison Square Garden in New York City. All seats are reserved. The mail order is over for all the Madison Square Garden concerts. We'll get tickets unless your postmark is real late. If in the process of filling the orders, New York and Boston, we find duplicate orders, they will not be filled. Tickets will also go on sale at Ticketmaster starting August 10th. We will update this information a few days before the on-sale date. Please remember that children of walking age two years and older must have a ticket for entry to all Grateful Dead concerts. Jerry Garcia Band will play the following concerts. November 15th Madison Square Garden in New York City Please note. Yes, there was a big bust of one of the counterfeit rings that have been plaguing our concerts But it was not the only one Keep your eyes open do not buy counterfeits on the street if you do you most likely won't get in This message will repeat again in a few seconds. Thank you and stay in touch
0: Melvin Seals remembers being in the big room, but doesn't remember very much about what went down. Jackie LeBranch does recall being there, acknowledges it was a special night, had some interaction with Woody Harrelson, who was there. That was pretty cool for her. But beyond that, I mean, I think what's interesting, and I write about this in the liner notes, this is actually a quote from what Jackie had to say, because I really do think it captures a lot of what was going on there. On one, on one hand, she says this, there was an incredible atmosphere. This was the same place where the New York Knicks played. And I'd also seen other concerts there on TV by so many amazing people, right? So that's one side of it, MSG, a, a, a celebrated venue. On the other side of it, she said this, it was just another show in a great place. The thing I really liked about working with Jerry was we did our shows and we had a good time Nobody was better than anybody else. We just played our music. It was about the music. So, you know, that band ultimately, it was about the music, what was going on. They didn't get too caught up in the venue and the venue size and, and all of the set, setting. On the other hand, Madison Square Garden, kind of tough to avoid that given, again, the nature of, uh, of its history. So I think all of that, what was at play, on that particular evening. This show takes place on November 15th, 1991, which is about three weeks after Bill Graham passed away. Right, so Grant Bill passes away October 25th, 91, you know, in the tragic uh, helicopter accident. And these dates are on the books and Jerry goes out and decides to honor them. And, uh, you know, I, I have to believe that was that was on his mind, you know, his relationship with Bill, even though, you know, I, I think that they had a, at times a difficult relationship, but ultimately Jerry has been pretty good about crediting him, you know, uh, Bill Graham for supporting the Grateful Dead through some difficult times and helping to spread the good word. My first
1: meeting with Graham, I'll tell you, I, I, I've got vivid recollections of it. It's a good, it was funny too, it was good. It was at that Trips Festival. That was the first time that I think that I met Graham. And he was running, he was the guy that was running around with this sweater, looking straight as can be, with this sweater and this blue sort of work shirt open and a V-nex kind of cardigan, but short sleeve, some kind of sweater, I don't know. And a clipboard, you know. And in the middle of total madness, I mean, it was totally crazy, you know. It was just totally flying, you know. And here, here's this guy running around in the middle of, you know with some illusion of order or another, you know, who knows what he was thinking, you know. I I remember being tremendously touched by it in a way, you know, in an odd sort of way. And then we were supposed to play the Grateful Dead, we were supposed to play our second set, we played a set, and we were real high, and we said, oh, well, let's screw around for a while. We split, came back a little while later, and play, we're going to play some more on my guitar, which would been on stage, I looked at it, you know, Graham was running around, scheduled something or another, you know raving some stuff and I was real high I looked at my guitar and the bridge was broken off the electric guitar I had it was just you know hanging there you know and uh, the strings were all flapping around the whole thing was just wrecked you know in a way and I looked at it and I I was sitting there looking at it you know and Graham says what's going on And, and I said well my guitar is broken, you know, and he looks at it, and, and he, right away he got down on it, and he started trying to fix it, you know, and i was standing there, stoned out of my head, you know, with everybody partying and having an amazing time, and here's Bill, you know, sweat dripping off his head, feverishly fumbling around with my poor guitar, you know, and, and I just felt like, wow, this poor guy, you know, what a great guy, and here he is trying to fix my guitar in the middle of all this weirdness, man, you know, this guy is all right, you know, that was, you know, I really liked that, you know. I really liked that. I thought it was just admirable as convenient. Great gesture.
0: And the other interesting part of that is that, you know, at the outset of their career, uh, Bill Graham was also Blues Traveler's manager, which in part is how Traveler ends up on that bill at Madison Square Garden. There is that connection. And I do think that, you know, Bill passing is certainly to my mind, at least something that's sort of just floating in the air in November of, of, of 91. And I think you can maybe hear, you know, wisps of it uh, throughout the throughout this MSG show, which I do think in part, it's a little bit heightened because um, Blues Traveler had that relationship day open the night, which I think sort of just, you know, brings that to mind. The fact that, that Bill had been part of all of this and had passed away just, just a few weeks earlier. I was in living in New York when Blues Traveler really came of age, in particular, down at Wetlands Preserve. And so it was amazing to be able to see them at Wetlands 1989, and then two years later, they in Madison Square Garden. But this was their, their, their biggest show. And eventually, right, they would come, they had one New Year's Eve headliner gig at Madison Square Garden about seven years later. And in talking to John Popper about it for the liner notes, he absolutely remembered it, that it was something pretty substantial for them. And, you know, something that that he took away for a while and and aspired to return to the room whenever they, you know, as soon as they could. I interviewed Bob Weir for a cover story in Relics magazine a couple issues back, and I asked this particular question of him because it's something that always kind of irked me when I was a deadhead, uh, particularly in the in the 80s into the 90s. And at that time, the the mainstream media was very dismissive, of hypercritical of the Grateful Dead and certainly the Grateful Dead fans. And so, you know, the Dead would come into a particular town. And then somebody would go out invariably into the lot, whether it was local television or the local newspaper, and there'd be there'd be a quote the next day, whether it was visually or or, or in print. You know, they find somebody who you know self describes himself as Jack Straw, telling some gnarly tales from the parking lot, and people couldn't really figure it out. They're like, why? You know, and they, they sort of described all of these deadheads as you know, 60s wannabes, 60s throwbacks, couldn't figure out what they even liked about the Grateful Dead. And now when you look at it, the music of the Grateful Dead, and in particular the band's songs, are hailed as being part of the Great American Songbook, as they should be. Because you know, the reason why people kept coming back wasn't just the improvisation, even though that was remarkable, but at the core of that, There were all of these songs that people could latch onto, in particular, the Jerry Garcia, Robert Hunter songs. I think a lot of these songs will become standards, right, in 30 years, in whatever genre might be, whether, you know, jazz players are playing them, rock players are playing them, bluegrass players are playing them, the music will abide. over time i find it to be very gratifying that people finally acknowledge that although I, I still think back and wonder you know when i was growing up like why why couldn't you say so at the time while they were out there hitting it because you know there's gotta be a reason why we're all here not just because we can go out in the lot and have some fun there's much much more to it and ultimately people realized oh yeah i, I guess it's about the music which it always was that there's some great music here. There are songs that will stand the test of time, as is certainly the case.